I'm Luka Doncic and this is Lockdown Mavericks Podcast. And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, and joining me, as always, my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com. I got nothing. I can't think of anything. What should I call you? <laughs> Just cold open. <laughs> cold open. Uh. All right, ready? Three, two. And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, and joining me, as always, my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com. The result, Regent, the one more thinking. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? Oh, man. All right. So what do you want to talk about? <laughs> Preface. We are recording this at 6.30-ish uh, Central Time on Tuesday. So we don't know what's, we don't know anything that's happening. We're not going to mention the election except for just to say that we're not going to mention it. It's all just going to be draft stuff today on all map stuff today. So we're not going to mention yeah. any of that. You don't have to worry about that on this pod. So just wanted to throw that out there at the beginning. Anyway, continue. And this was purposeful. This is why we recorded yeah. before all the stuff went down and all of that. So if anything went um, down, we don't know. <laughs> Maybe nothing so happened. Actually, <laughs> nothing happened. No, nothing. <laughs> um, we're not even alive. This is this pod. No one's listening. This, this is pod the last pod you're going to hear. Um, also, so, I am two drinks in and uh, a third is on the way. <laughs> I just wanted to let everyone uh, know. So I was going to tell a funny story real quick. So I had some uh, buddies back home um, who have started a sports podcast and I know them. They had they're like, hey, can you come on our pod? Let's do a redraft. And. I say back home, back home in like Kentucky. And so I jump on their pod to do this redraft for 2011. And what I didn't know was they had, they had talked beforehand about pranking me during the pod. (laughs) And so hats off to them and they pulled it off. Perfect. And so this is the draft with like Kyrie and Clay Thompson and Jimmy Butler and all these guys. So we start off, and they're like, all right, Isaac, you get first pick. And I say, hands down, Kawhi. I'm taking Kawhi. I do my whole like best player in the league spill. So the guy has second pick, and he says, I'm going to go out and live a little bit, and I'm going to take Tobias Harris. <laughs> and he gives like kind of like a mini breakdown of him. He's like, I like him running the pick and roll and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like there's, and I kind of call him out a little bit. I'm like, there's no way, like that's over Clay. Like really, Jimmy Butler after the finals. Then the next guy goes and he's like, all right, I, you know, he's he's a big Boston fan. He's like, I'm taking Isaiah Thomas. That <laughs> run he had, and I'm like, in my mind, I'm about to text Nick during the podcast and tell him, Nick, these dudes have no clue about the ba- like the basketball world. And then they just start laughing. And immediately you're thinking, all right, do I tweet this out? Do I not tweet this out? I know. And I'm like, I didn't know what to do because then it's just like they, I I was so. So anyway, hats off, hats off to them. And uh, I was, yeah, super, super funny. No injustice. They got me. That's pretty funny. All right. On today's show, we are going to break down two prospects that we have loved. So we're going to go a little bit deeper into Sadiq Bey as well as Aaron Neesmith. It is Neesmith. We have we have decided. So. Uh, we're going to break down those two pos- prospects a little bit more, get into them, 
and uh, talk about why the Mavs should take them, why they shouldn't take them. Basically, do our whole draft profile that we have done in the past. We're gonna do it a little bit uh, less deep dive than we've done in the past, but definitely still get into it. And do, bef- do you want to do the? Do you want to argue about the playing tournament now or a different date? Oh, we did that before the podcast yesterday, and no, I don't want to do it. We'll do it a different date. Okay. Yeah, we don't. No more arguing. Today. We argued. We do this sometimes where we do a whole pod before the pod, and it was about the play in tournament. And we have one small difference that we don't like, and Isaac takes it into this tenth degree. Anyway, our five star Apple Podcast question comes from our boy Jonathan Kadane. He says, "Okay, hear me out. Let's Jimmy, go, John. Jimmy Butler is a great player. Agreed, but mm. he shouldn't be the number one guy on a team." I don't know. If, I, I think I agree with that. Pair him with a young blood like Luca and KP. He's a defensive pest agitator. Could fill the forward spot. By the way, he's an all star. I think Jimmy is pretty stuck on Miami. But if Miami does in fact get Giannis in twenty twenty one, does Jimmy to Dallas make sense? I think it makes sense. I don't think that the the move for Miami makes sense. I think they're trying to pair Giannis with. Jimmy Butler. Yeah. I don't think that they would do like a we're gonna go all for youth and get rid of Jimmy and keep just Bam and Tyler Hero and you know Duncan Robinson. That's it, right? I think they're trying to pair those two guys together. Yeah, I think that's you know Jimmy's a part of the appeal, right? You know that's yeah. he's part of their culture now. He is the leader of their team in, in that aspect and what they did and just yeah him putting the team on his back like that's i think that's the appeal factor for somebody like Giannis. that it's not just south beach and the culture and management and all that stuff but they have a guy like jimmy who can yeah i mean that's everything that middleton does in milwaukee jimmy pretty much does like that like Giannis needs that guy you know Giannis yeah. needs a luca he needs a jimmy butler he needs that guy too that don't we all need a luca we do i miss luca america needs a luca uh yeah, so that that I think is the whole thing with, with that. But Jim, I agree with Jonathan on the fit in Dallas for sure. Jimmy would be would awesome. We were down Dallas. with that. that. We were down with that when he was posting from Instagram that he was on his way to Dallas last year. Right? Remember that he posted yeah. that. So there you go. If you want to submit a question, get your question read on the Lockdown Mavericks podcast. Submit a five star Apple Podcast review with the question. We will read it just like Jonathan. All right, let's get into our draft prospects because we've got a lot of lot to get to. I'm going to do a full overview just like we did during the you know the mini profiles that we've done before. Just because not everybody listens to every single show, and this may be your first time hearing about this guy. So Sadiq Bay. Oh, this is our guy. I, I am Woo! I am baying on Sadiq Bay. All right, yeah, I, I do want to preface real quick. I know you oh, yeah. did. Yeah, but... go ahead. I I'm the king of doing this, getting jumping right into a thing, and you're like, all right, let's start with the whole. <laughs> well, we so we started a couple weeks ago, and we did these for each draft pick. Well, we didn't do the bigs for 31, but we did guards, wings, and bigs, three separate pods yeah. for pick 18. So we basically covered four to five guys for each of those positions for that pick. Then we had guards and wings for 31. So now we're going to taking a step further. That was like general overview. Now we're taking a step further. We're identifying four guys. So you're getting two guys today. You're getting two guys tomorrow that we're going to focus a little bit more on. So a little bit of the same information, but a little bit more deep dive. So Nick kind of, we both worked together. Originally it was like Nick picks two, I picked two. But I think we both like all four of these guys. Yeah. So, And I think a lot of Mass fans like all four of these guys too. So we're just going to, yeah, both of those guys today. So a little bit deeper dive for Sadiq Bay. Yeah, going into a little bit of a deeper dive on these guys. These are the guys that we think the Mavericks should. We're not wasting any time on guys that, you know, we'll do a whole profile for and say, there's there. we don't think the Mavs should take this guy. We're not wasting our time on that. So 
All right, let's do the overview. Sadiq Bey, 6'8", 216 pounds, 6'10", wingspan. He's going to be 21 years old at the time of the draft. Went to school at Villanova, Jay Wright, Jalen Brunson's alma mater. The Ringers one sentence says he's an ideal 3 and D wing with versatility on both ends, plus he makes an impact even if he's not scoring. Uh, strengths. Let's just go through some strengths for Sadiq Bey. I mean... Awesome spot-up shooter, right? Yeah. Uh, he's an awesome, a quick release, comfortable score off the dribble. He added that to his game as well. Uh, he just became a, a really, really good shooter in the uh, in college. And then on defense, he's a pretty versatile defender, has a long wingspan, has the you know capability to match up against a bunch of different positions, has the size and agility, all that kind of stuff. Um yeah, I think that he's basically just like your 3 and D wing that you would want, right? He's like that prototypical 3 and D wing. That's his strength. Any other strengths you want to add to him? No, I mean, that's it. I think, you know, we're talking about Aaron Neesmith today, too, in the second half of this pod. And, you know, naturally, I, I've been compare, comparing both of these guys um, of, like, what's the difference? They're both outstanding shooters, both, you know, 3 and D type of, you know, guys that the Mavericks would like and a lot of teams would like. But... I think for Bay, he's a little bit better ball handler and he's a little bit better decision maker. And I think you have to, I, I, was, I was listening to, I think it was Chad Ford on this network. I was listening to him and uh, Chad Tony Ford's Jones, NBA uh, big board. Exactly. Love Chad Ford. And uh, I think he was talking to Tony Jones and they were talking about Sadiq yeah. Bay and Tony Jones said the same thing that I like to say all the time. It's like he, he said, I love, I love Villanova kids. And it's just, that's the, like, people around the NBA, they love Villanova guys. You see what Eric Paschal did in Golden State this past mm-hmm. year as a second-round pick. He looks like he's an actual legit, like, role player for them next year, or should be. Jalen Brunson, mm-hmm. Josh Hart, we could keep on going. Mikel Bridges. Bridges. Yeah, so, like, they have, like, they're producing guys, Villanova is. And for Dallas, this has to be a plus, too, because... Dallas really likes Jay Wright. They have connections to Jay Wright and stuff a lot. Uh, front office, Team USA stuff. Uh, so they have a close relationship with him. He just fits everything. He's like Sadiq Bay in a way. I mean, he's the he's twenty one, like you said. He's the older version, uh, older, bigger wing version of Jalen Brunson, kind of for Villanova. Except he didn't have the accolades that Jalen Brunson did in college. Coming up, let's get into some more. We'll talk about the ceiling and the floor of Sadiq Bey, some weaknesses. We'll talk about some NBA comps that we've come up with. And then basically we end it always with why the map should and why the map shouldn't take him. We'll talk about that coming up. But before we do, Built Bar is here for you. If you are needing a little pick-me-up, if you're needing a snack, if you're needing some something to, to bridge the gap between meals... Built Bar is the thing for you. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar covered in 100% chocolate. They're great if you're health conscious as well. If you want to get something that tastes good but also fills you up, also something that will give you some protein, also something that will be decently healthy for you, pretty healthy because they're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for a keto diet. If you want that, Built Bar is the thing for you. New flavor, cookies and cream, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, 4 grams of sugar in a bar for a bar covered in 100% chocolate. You're like you're gaming the system, Isaac. You're just you're gaming the system. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code locked on, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. All right, Isaac Harris, let's get into some more about Sadiq Bay. I mean, the, the strengths, I think. It just kind of speaks for itself, right? We'll talk more about, you know, what he's done and different things like that and how he's changed his game. But I think we've covered the strengths pretty well. It's pretty pretty cut yeah. and dry for him. Weaknesses. He's not super explosive. He's not going to be like your, 
you know, your elite athlete type of guy. Um, he doesn't really have a, that great of a, a quick step. The shooting size is is sort of at a, at a small sample size, uh, but 37% his first year at like 3.6 attempts per game from three as a freshman, 45% from three his sophomore year at 5.6 attempts. Like that, that second year is really good sample, but the first one is kind of a little bit smaller. So good shooter, great shooter maybe, but elite shooter. Probably, maybe. You know, it's kind of hard with some of these these college numbers to know exactly. Um, by the way, availability. The Ringer had him at 18. I think I, I think they saw I saw that they had him at 16 recently in the newest one. ESPN had him mocked at 18. The Athletic at 16, and then Tankathon at 13. Um, what Chad is, Ford had him at 23. Chad Ford did. Yeah, I was surprised. We'll take that. We'll we'll take that Heck anywhere yes. that puts him in the Mavs range. So he is probably going to be in the Mavs range. A lot of people are saying that he might go higher. Um, mm-hmm. You know, talk to Jonathan Charks, and he's like, I don't think he's going to even be there for the Mavs. So he didn't even really consider that. Um, ceiling and floor for him. What, what's something that what's what's a ceiling and a floor for Sadiq Bay? Uh, it seems pretty cut and dry to me because how can you not use a player that's a good three point, good to great three point shooter that has the tools to be a good defender? I mean, what, how many of those guys fail in the NBA? I know that I was, we were talking before and I was talking about how I was was trying to find a comp and I was just watching more clips of him. I was looking at his synergy stuff and I'm like, all right, you got to have this guy who has to like, who is somebody in the league that's got size that plays the wing spot that can handle it a little bit, shoots it really well and can play defense really well. And it's just kind of hard because you find these guys that can do one or they can do the other, but it's like, can they do the guys both? that can do both are like all-stars like Kawhi, exactly. Paul George, like Middleton. So like, so like throwing names out there, you're like, Oh wow, this guy. Okay. If he's going to be this guy, then he's going to be Jaylen top Brown. three then. So for me, I was watching. I was like, all right, can Chris Middleton be like a guy that he shoots for? So I think ceiling, ceiling, ceiling version of Sadiq Bay is a Chris Middleton type. And yeah. I felt validated when I was watching Mike Smith and he brings up like he watches tape of Middleton with Sadiq Bay. So I was like, oh, thank God. I'm not like far out there. <laughs> on this. Uh, I think his floor is like Jay Crowder. That's so yeah. I think it's Jay Crowder floor, Chris Middleton type of ceiling. If he improves on the ball handling, stuff like that, because if you watch the ESPN breakdown, Smith's brought up that his freshman year, and they talk about this, his freshman year he didn't really handle the ball that much. Yeah, and he credits that to Eric Pascal, and it was only like under ten possessions or something. Yeah, he his had nine po- nine ball screen possessions as a freshman. I thought that was a fascinating stat too. Nine possessions where he was the the, the ball handler in a pick and roll, where someone set a screen for him. And then his sophomore year, it was 17% of his possessions he had a ball screen. So he really... 196 possessions. Yeah, that's a ton. (laughs) So it went up because because of, you know, Eric Pasco left and he became focal point of that offense. Exactly. Not 196. I was looking at Tim Hardaway Jr.'s. I was trying to compare him. But it was still 66. So, I mean, for... That's still a lot. 17% of his possessions, 66 total possessions. Still a lot. Exactly. That's his second second highest offensive category. His top one was spot-up shots at 26% of his offensive possessions. Yeah. No, yeah, I absolutely love everything about Sadiq Bey. I mentioned this on the last pod, but I, I texted one of... Is it a flex or not? I was texting with one of the Villanova assistant coaches... It is. ...about, about Sadiq Bey and just... I mean, the dude is just raving about him, how coachable he is, how he puts so much work in the gym, and just everything about him. But yeah, if we have to pick out a a weakness about this, is he's he's not somebody you're going to give the ball to and say let's run the offense. I wouldn't. Yeah. If you get Sadiq Bay, you're not. I don't. 
I don't think you're getting a C.J. McCollum. I don't think you're no. going to get a guy that you're saying, all right, let's give it to him, and we're going to run some offensive set through him. But that's not what we really need in Dallas. And could he progress to that point? Possibly. I don't know. But uh, I'll, I think he can handle it better than Aaron Neesmith can. Uh, but I would yeah. take Aaron Neesmith shooting a little bit more than Bates. But anyway, yeah, that's my, that's my thing. And here's what I want to throw out there, too. It feels like guys like him can step in day one and contribute. It feels like when you look around the league, you look at some of these teams like a Royce O'Neal, a Dorian Finney-Smith. You know, these are two playoff teams in Utah and Dallas that both of these guys are undrafted, well, right? Yeah, undrafted. I can't remember about Royce O'Neal, but pretty sure he was. These, these guys who are asked to play defense, they're asked to hit the open shot, and that's what like Sadiq Bay is going to be asked to like do in Dallas if he comes here. So. I like that. I like him going to a system like that too. And I think this plays into when you look at a guy, look at Jarrett Culver. And when you when you get a guy that goes in a top five, the expectations for like you're expected to do so much more. And you go to a very bad team. Even Tony Jones in that podcast with Chad Ford, he was talking about Patrick Williams. He's like, I just want him to go to a, a team that there's no big expectation. He's like, I don't want him to go to the Knicks. And I feel like that's one way to define this whole draft. Like I don't I want like them to go the, to the Knicks. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I feel like you could define this whole draft in. I just don't want. I don't want them to have huge expectations year one. You know. Oh yeah. Like I think every player, every from the top to the bottom, should be like the, every one of these players. It, they're not a Zion Luca, but even Wiseman and Lamelo. It's like, man, I just want you to go to a system to where like you're yeah. kind of eased into it. You're not thrown out there like Dennis Smith Jr. was in Dallas and all that stuff. Like. If Dennis went to a different type of system to where he was eased into it, what would his career look different? I don't know. Like fit means so much more. I think with like guys like a Kungwu and Sadiq Bay, Neesmith even, like what what's expected of them, I think you can't expect a lot of them because they have those elite skills, right? I think that Well, I mean, you're not I mean gonna expected ex- You're not gonna expect yeah. them to do something outside of what they are projected to do, right? So it's like Sadiq like, Bay, you're not like going to put him in charge of, of an offense. But some, asking a lot of Sadiq Bay is like starting on a playoff team, right? That's asking a lot of him, but I think he'd do really well in that role. Yeah, I mean, like, you're trying to, because you're on a sucky team and you're a high draft pick, you're expected to do so much more. Like, like, like R.J. Barrett. Culver, <laughs> if, yeah, R.J. Barrett. If Jarrett Culver went to a team outside of the top eight or something and he was just a complimentary piece asked to defend and do like a couple things instead of you're a high pick in Minnesota, our team sucks and you're playing a lot. I'm not saying Culver's like a huge bust, but that's what I'm saying. Like Neesmith and Bay is going to be asked in Dallas or a decent, a good team. Okay. What if a team drafts Neesmith? What if the, all right, what if the Knicks take Aaron Neesmith and they're saying, all right, we want you to shoot the ball 15 times a game. Yeah. And they're like, running offense through him and all this stuff. And we're like, well, dang, this dude like can't handle the ball and all this stuff. And it's like, that's not what we're expecting of you. Like what? I missed the, I missed the fit on that, but yeah. Where do you want to go with the Sadiq base? Also, Aaron Neesmith might like be really good at that. Taking 15 shots a game. <laughs> he might be totally fine. For at sure. that. Uh, I think that, so couple other NBA comps. So Chris Middleton was one of them. Like, Paul George is kind of like his his ceiling to mm. me, right? Like, I think he could get there. Not as good with the ball as Paul George. Um, n- maybe not as good as of a defender right now. But, you know, Paul George wasn't that good when he first came out either. Right? He was he was playing behind Danny Granger. 
But like Paul George, Dorian, I think is a great comp for him. You know, Dorian now, like the, the player that Dorian is now, Sadiq Bey comes day one and is that guy. Otto Porter Jr., Robert Covington, those type of guys, I think. And all, all those guys are starters, right? Or, yeah. or, or better. It's, it's really hard to project him as something other than that. So is his. I put fl- the Morris brothers too in that yeah. category with Crowder yeah. and stuff. His floor to me is a usable player, <laughs> like even off yeah. the bench or just a starter, but he's going to be usable. Future role, I think. For Dallas, I think he comes in as starter, right? Like I think he, you could uh, come in and start him, or just you know, bring him off the bench. But he's definitely going to yeah, get a, lo- a bunch of playing time. Yeah, I think the immediate the immediate battle is him and Dorian, right? Like who who's who's better? Or and- him and Seth if they decide to. Well, it depends on what they do with the starting lineup. I guess they'll probably go back with Dwight KP as the starting, you know, four five Dorian and then Tim. So yeah, it's between him and Dorian. Then you're right. Yeah, and I want to see what they do at the MLE and stuff like that. But either sure. way, or trade. They, yeah, it's a it's a Dorian type, and is Bay automatic? It's going to be like Dorian's been in the system longer, knows the system, yeah. knows everything. Compared to Bay, might be a better three point shooter and all that. But either way, you, we need the more the merrier. Yeah, you win. You can play both those guys together eventually in some lineups, yes. right? Uh, all right, coming up, let's get into just a little bit more about Sadiq Bay. Then we'll get into Aaron Neesmith. Talk about him. We'll talk about that coming up. All right, Isaac, let's end here with Sadiq Bey. Uh, roster impact, hopefully he's a day one starter, but could be brought off the bench. Why should the Mavs take him? I just wrote obvious. Like, it's just obvious yeah. why they should take him. Uh, but I think what has to have some more explanation is why should the Mavs trade up for him? In one of our prediction podcasts, I said that the Mavs will, will trade up for Sadiq Bey. I think he has the potential to be a real key piece for a long, long time. Like a cost-controlled, perfect fit. Can play him anywhere. It's really safe pick. Like a really safe draft. That's another thing Charks told me about him was that he's the safest pick in the draft, basically. Yeah. That you get him and you know what you're getting. He showed a little bit more of you know some ball handling and some some uh, a little bit of playmaking as well. Uh, he went from 8.2 points a game as a freshman to 16.1 as a sophomore. And if you do that, you know. Per 40, like per 40 minutes, 11.1 points per game his freshman year to 19 points per game his sophomore year. Like he really got a lot of offensive load on him that second year. Uh, Went from 1.3 assists a game to 2.4 assists a game. So he added that to his game a little bit too. Uh, He became a really good cutter. He can take advantage of smaller players in the mid range and the post. That was something else that I, I, I didn't know about him. He's not just like a set shooter outside. He can, you know, take the ball inside. Some of the stuff we've seen Dorian do this year that we've been really impressed by. The, you know, I can, you know, Dorian can can pump fake and drive into the lane and shoot over the top of somebody. Sidney Bay does that now, right? Um, yeah. And then defensively, he guards. He can he says that he can guard every position. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but he believes that. So, but he could. He definitely has the tools to do that, and he's a good defender already. So, like the Mavs could bet on this guy to become like a Paul George or a Chris Middleton, right? Like he could become a guy like that if he continues to progress and continues to get better just like those guys did those guys didn't come in day one and were like all-star looking guys both those two guys paul george came in and was like you know 12 minute per game player chris middleton wasn't you know all of a sudden like an all-star so i think they could bet on him being that and that's why you trade out for him yes yeah i would i wouldn't necessarily say i would want to take sadiq bay saying you're you're our chris middleton you know in the future that's what you're betting on i think you you would you'd look at it and say, all right, why are we interested in a Jay Crowder or a Morris brother or insert that type of player? It's okay. It's a guy like Sadiq Bay, And for him being 21, you'd have him under contract for a while. He could step. There's no reason why Sadiq Bay couldn't give you next year. What 
Markeith Morris could give you next year. You know, that's that's the type of thing. And then you have the upside. We talk about all the time, we want defenders, we want wings, we want guys who can hit the open shot when Luka passes him the ball. Sadiq Bey hits all of those categories, and he comes from a great program. He's an older rookie, all of that stuff. So <laughs> sign me up. If there's one player that we want more than anybody on the Mavericks, we want Sadiq Bey in Dallas. Yeah, we're not we're not going up to like Devin Vassell or Okoru or you know, like we're not going that high, but this is the guy in, in the range for the Mavs that we yeah. want. All right, let's do Aaron Neesmith now that we've done like a whole pod on, on Sadiq Bay. Um Aaron Neesmith, 6'6, 213 pounds. He has a 6'11 wingspan confirmed from him. He said it in the breakdown with Mike Schmitz. You know, I we had two different you know, numbers for him the first time we did this. He's 21 years old at the time of the draft, perfect in the range for Isaac. Went to Vanderbilt, where his coach was. Stack, baby. Jerry Stackhouse. We'll talk about him in a minute. The Ringer's one sentence possesses a flamethrower jump shot. He projects easily as a high-end role player, though he flashes raw ability off the dribble. His strengths, knockdown shooter. I mean, the, his his Unreal. second year, 52% from three, uh, unlimited range, spaces the floor, can pull up all kinds of different, you know, sidesteps and step backs and he comes around screens and all that stuff in the breakdown with with mike schmitz on on espn uh neesmith said that he broke down like lillard and mccollum film and he really likes watching how those guys get shots off which are two of the best obviously in taking some of those shots he was also the most efficient catch and shoot player from three in college also one of the best off the screen shooters in college he just becomes immediately a guy that you can run plays for space the floor he just is a knockdown knockdown shooter um some you know he's a pretty good defender he has the tools he's that 611 wingspan he's you know pretty good athlete all that kind of stuff any more strengths you want to add he's another like typical like 3 and d type player i uh, i just freaking love this guy i mean he <laughs> is you look at any shooting number of this past season Aaron Neesmith has everything. Also, it is Neesmith. Mike he, Mike Smith said it to his face <laughs> in that video. So uh, we're like, all right, surely he would correct him. Or he's just too scared to tell yeah. Smith that, you know, whatever. We're just saying that because we, after the last podcast, we were like, oh, man. We went back Is it Neesmith? Is it Neesmith? Uh, um, his catch and shoot numbers, though, I mean, we're talking 47% on guarded catch and shoot shots. We're talking 65% from the field on unguarded catch and shoot shots. We, um, we have the hundredth percentile, a hundredth percentile. That, there's no one else. That's it. It's just him and no one else. The dude can shoot the lights out, but if just go and watch clips of this guy, it's not just he can shoot, hit the open shot. There's there's guys who can hit open threes. This dude can hit off balance threes. He hits threes coming off screens. He hits three some threes off the dribble. I think you know we're going to touch on weaknesses. I'm assuming, but I think I don't. I hate calling this a weakness, but I think the only thing that brings up a little bit of question about Aaron Neesman, I still think I my one of my predictions for this draft is he goes top ten. I think he's the the big riser, surpriser a little bit on draft night, but it's it was kind of short lived. You know, he his freshman season he averaged 11 points. Uh, he played in 32 games, and then his sophomore season... He shot like 32% from three or 33, something like that. Yeah, 33% from three. His sophomore season, he only plays 14 games and then gets hurt, doesn't play conference play and all that stuff. But in those 14 games is when he shot eight threes a game at 52% from three and 23 points a game, which is huge in the yeah. SEC, especially. They ran a lot of their offense stuff through him. So 
it was a huge jump in all the categories. He did amazing, but it was just 14 games. So you're kind of betting on these 14 games that this is who he is. <laughs> I'm willing to take that bet, though. I, I like what I saw so much in that in those 14 games. Yeah, he made a big leap from his freshman to his sophomore year, kind of the same as Sadiq Bey, basically. But what he said to Mike Schmitz is that he came in, you know, I think they, they changed their coach. So Jerry Stackhouse wasn't the coach. Yeah. His freshman year was his sophomore year. He came in himself, did two-a-days on his own. He made his own agenda, wrote down everything that he was going to do, wrote down all the stuff he wanted to get better at, went into the gym and worked on it himself. Like that, that to me is what you want to hear from a player like that that makes some sort of rise like that. It's not just that he had a bigger offensive load. It's not just that he got more yeah. shots. It's that he actually went in, got better on his own. And you want to hear that from, from a prospect. Like that's just, I mean, that's just, you know, you eat that up for sure. Um, yeah. So yeah, he also thinks like a shooter too, which which also made me it's a weird thing, but it made me feel better about him at projecting him as a really good shooter in the NBA is that he, you know, breaks down Lillard and McCollum film for how you come across screens and stuff. The way that he was talking to Mike Schmitz just seems like he has the the mindset of a shooter. And listening to JJ Reddick's podcast and even CJ McCollum's, you have to have that mindset that you are a shooter, that's what you do. It's a certain mentality that you have. J.J. Redick talks about his preparation and how long he gets ready for every game and stuff like that. I just think that having that sort of mindset and thinking of yourself as a shooter makes you a better shooter, right? It's it's in the Curry's yeah. blood. They think of themselves as that. And that might be a weird like existential thing that I think about with, with shooter hey, types. Willie Cauley-Stein has that mindset, too. Radio silence. On, on Instagram. He also mentions how he got better at defensively uh, working with Jerry Stackhouse. He learned a lot from him. He would really break down film. He called Jerry Stackhouse like a film wizard or something like that, but he just always is breaking down film with him. And then he got better as the season went on. So that's something that you you really like. A guy that you know wants to get better. Schmitz shows him like positive clips and, ne- and a lot of negative clips about him as a defender. And he remembers them and remembers where he was supposed to be and all that kind of stuff. I thought that was really good stuff, you know, from Aaron Neesmith. So that's a couple of the, the weaknesses. Um, he could be better defensively. You know, he sometimes he second guesses. He's, you know, a little slow laterally. Offensively, he struggles to finish at the rim and through contact. Not really that much of a, a leaper. Kind of gets his shot blocked or contested. He's not really a good playmaker either. I'd say he's a step below even what Sadiq Bey is. As a, yeah, you're not, as a you're not putting the ball in his hands and asking no. him to do things. He, but he can take he a shot off well, the dribble, but he's not going yeah. to playmake. But what you ask him to do and what you ask players to, to do in that role, he's going to do really, really well. Yes. That's the thing. I think he can defend well. So, yeah. I think he, mm-hmm. I mean, he can shoot the lights out. I think he can defend well. Everybody's looking for 3D guys. So, when you look at comps for him, that was kind of harder for me because it's like watching him offensively. You're like, dang, he comes off these screens like Duncan Robinson and some of these guys yeah. shooting these threes. But I think he's a better defender, too. So. I think, I mean, this is shooting way high up there, kind of like Sadiq Bay with Middleton, but like Clay is like the guy he should be watching. Yeah, like, I, wrote, I think Clay's the. I wrote Clay Thompson, maybe a worse defender than Clay, but yeah, that's what I wrote for him. Yeah, because he's bigger than CJ McCollum, yeah. and CJ McCollum can handle the, the ball, I think, yeah. better than Neesmith. So so that's the thing with, with him is like, man, lockdown shooter, like who are the best 3D guys? And when I think of that, I, I mean, I think Clay Thompson fits that role perfectly, but. Like who else out there? I mean, the ringer has big, bigger Buddy Hield, and honest, it reminds me so much of Buddy Hield because his similar number twenty four, just everything about <laughs> yeah. it. You watch him, and then you see Buddy, and you're like, wow, that's kind of crazy. But Buddy's just better think, at the ball in college, I think. Yes, for sure. And but Neesmith, I think, is a better defender than Buddy. And yeah, all the, once again, 
if if Buddy got drafted into a system that had like star players around him and he was asked just to shoot and just to play a 3 and D role, we could be looking at Buddy as like this like r- really great role player right now and it's his value's kind of taking a hit. They also had Danny Green, which I think is a really good comp for him too. Yeah. Like yeah. Prime Danny Green, not like Lakers playoff run Danny Green that everyone makes fun of. Um, okay, ceiling and floor. I, I don't see Aaron Neesmith so much as a as an all star. If he does become an all star at some point, um, I think it would be like as one of those like not Kyle Korver when when Kyle Korver became an all star, but like a Clay Thompson, right? Where he's he's part of a really really good team and he gets in as like the third guy on like a 70 win 60 win team or yeah. something like that you know but i don't see him being like your second option but like it, all the comps that we mentioned you know future role for him is you could run plays for him you could run plays like seth curry or like you know they they showed a couple of plays where he is the screener and he you know rolls out and can you know shoot off the off the catch and stuff like that set screens like clay and and curry and jj reddick do i think jj reddick's another kind of comp for him offensively uh, just the way that he can catch and shoot and all that so i think that's his future role is just a sharpshooter anywhere like you could start him you could bring him off the bench as your sharpshooter you know you can't get enough of those guys yeah duncan robinson just, danny green danny green's the guy that i think i think that's his ceiling and I, that's not like a, a shot at him at all but i think that's the a better shooting like Danny Green plays some very very pivotal roles on us on those Spurs teams and those Toronto teams and stuff like that. So in a system like Dallas or some of these really good teams, I think Neesmith could be a guy that you're looking at a couple years from now and he's a, he's the, he's the Danny Green role. Yeah. He's defending some of these guys. He's he he might not be like the primary de- wing defender, but he's like the secondary. He's like the Tim Hardaway role kind yeah. of in Dallas a little bit, but he's shooting the lights out, he's hitting the open three, so <laughs> Yeah, the difference between him and Tim Hardaway though is the Mavs made Tim Hardaway into what he is, right? Like, yeah, Aaron Neesmith comes in and is that. So, um, why the Mavs should take him? Bet on his shooting and potential development. I think he be- he could become like a really good off the off the dribble shooter and a guy that you could just give the ball to and say, "Go get a bucket for me." Uh, he has that kind of potential, and it just gave Luca a sharpshooter for years and years to come. Uh, I think that kind of just sells it, right? That's <laughs> that's why you take yeah. him. Why they shouldn't take him, maybe they want somebody that's a little bit of a ready-made defender, uh, and then they're not sure if the shooting is as money as the percentage says, right? If they have more questions about that, he had a foot injury that second year, so maybe there's concerns about that. But between those two things, the, you know, is the is the shooting percentage – It's he's not going to shoot 52% in the NBA, obviously. But, I mean <laughs> – But if, uh, if that's not as – indicative of how well of a shooter he's going to be in the NBA as the maps think, then maybe they don't take him. Right. But I can't imagine them passing on him if he's not there. No, if he's there, I, yeah, if he's there, I think you got to take him. We preach shooting all, all the time. And if you can get literally the best catch and shoot shooter, um, who's six, 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 seven wing guy, you go get him. And if he's yeah. there at 18, I don't think he's there at all. I think it's a better chance yeah. of Bay being there at, really? at 18. Than, yeah, I do. I, I think Neesmith, yeah. I think he, I just think those shooting, I think the Tyler Heroes of the world and stuff like that, I think now more than ever, shooting is valued the most. And I think some team there in the lottery top 10 is going to you know, be like, hey, we can always, we're trying to build and we can always use a Neesmith on our team. Always. Anything else you want to say about him? Um, no, I mean, honestly, these are these are my two favorite guys for Dallas. I, I like 
uh, both these guys over any of the, the guard prospects for Dallas, uh, any of the, the bigs, any other wings. If we walked out of the draft with Neesmith or Sadiq Bay on draft night, I am beyond thrilled. And I think both of these guys could step in day one and get minutes in the rotation. Yeah, coming out of training camp. For sure. They, they fit perfect next to Luka and KP. So Would you trade up for both of them, both picks? Oh, yeah, hands down. Both, both I just don't know too. how far 31 gets you up. Like, but if it, you are setting there and you're, you know, you know, you can go up three spots and get it, can get Sadiq Bay or Neesmith, one of those, yeah, I would give up 31 in a heartbeat to go get either one of these guys. For sure. There you go. Those are our breakdowns of Sadiq Bay, Aaron Neesmith. We're, we're, these are our top two prospects. I don't think there's anyone else we'd rather yeah. have, really. Um, maybe, top two for this range. We, yeah. we always like preface that, but. Obviously, if Dallas in the top five, we, you know we would pick one of those other guys. I would rather probably. Have, I would rather have either of these guys than Anthony Edwards, or James Wiseman, or Lamelo Ball. That's 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 kind of a hotter take. Nope. Clip that and put it on your. Um, I would rather have these socials. guys for the Mavs. That's just the way it is. I'm not trying to develop somebody. I'm not trying to develop somebody for like the next three years. Yeah. Anyway, there you go, uh, guys. Enjoy the day. Hopefully it's uh, going well for you. We don't know what happens yet. So there you go. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked On Mavs. Peace out. Boom. I took a half and she took the whole thing. Slow down. Baby. We took a trip. Now we on your block and it's like a ghost town. Baby.